Welcome to the Hope United Church Podcast. We are one church with two locations. For video live streams of our services and more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. Let me start by saying this. If you think, and know know from the book of Acts and elsewhere, if you think you have failed too much to be fully used, I don't know if any of you have ever felt that, that I've failed too much to be fully used now, uh, or or to be fully blessed, or to be anointed again, if there is such a thing as again. You either are, or you're, if you're saved, you're anointed, that's that. Uh, it's no, don't get caught up in that Pentecostal charismatic nonsense that some people are anointed, some people know. If you're saved, you're anointed, that's it. It's end of... Uh, Sometimes we don't feel that, or if you have sort of, you ever let Jesus down? Just seven years. Wow. Some of you are amazing. Some of you are phenomenal. It's lovely to meet you, Apostle Paul. Or if you've let Jesus down, or no fully loved your life to the full potential, then there's one chapter in the Bible, there's loads, but there's one chapter in the Bible that I'm. I think I'll encourage you beyond all other chapters uh, and prove that Jesus never gives up on you after he's called you. Then mm-hmm. he's foreknown, he's predestined, then he's predestined, he's called, and then he's called, he's chosen, or then he's called, he's sanctified, then he's sanctified, he's glorified. I had the sanctified bit because I like it. Uh, you cannot be uncalled, yeah. no matter what you've done, that's it. Uh, and... Although the Armenianism thing is all free will and all that stuff, but we'll talk about that another thing because it's dead deep. And this is a Sunday morning. We don't want to drown you this morning. But there's one chapter that, that beyond all other chapters, I think, that that, that proves that Jesus never gives up on them who he's called and loves. And uh, imagine reading an application form and uh, that came into the church for a job or a role or a leadership role or a position or a main role and as a senior leader in a church and they come into the interview and here Peter comes into the interview. You know they've got to feel a lot better now that I talk about Peter. And here Peter comes into the interview. Have a seat, Peter. Uh, have a seat, Simon Bar-Jonah. Have a seat, Simon, son of Jonah. All right, says to uh, how you doing? Oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm, I'm up for it, I'm up for it. Oh, good, 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 good. Tell me about the garden thing. Oh, all right, all right, well, oh, you know, I fell asleep. I fell asleep on the job, okay. But I wasn't the only one. Lo- 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 loads of people fell asleep on the job. But I mean, I wasn't the only one that fell asleep. We all fell asleep. We know we get told to stay awake, but we all fell asleep. Oh, no, well, we weren't actually talking to you about the falling asleep thing. It was the ear thing. Oh, right, right. Mm. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, well, well, this guy was doing my nothing. So I just go, so I'll just cut his ear clean off. And then Jesus had to go and pick it up and put it back on him. And, uh, and you walked in water, Peter? Oh, yeah, 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 walked in water and it's amazing. But, oh, I get distracted and I started drowning. Okay, 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 okay. Um, had I ever had a row with Jesus at any point? <laughs> ever? Ever had a row with him at any point? Peter's sitting getting interviewed. Uh, you know this is no biblical, but you get what I'm coming for. Uh, uh, you ever had a row with uh, Jesus? Uh, 
telling them who was boss, apparently. Uh, well, uh, if you need to get into the detail, you can imagine them. Oh, if you really need to press me, um, I, I did take Jesus aside one time. <laughs> and I had a stern word with him. Yeah. I just took him aside, I had a stern word with him. And I told him about his future plans. It says here that you couldn't handle the heat when getting questioned by a little girl about your relationship with Jesus. I quote, so I told the wee lassie straight I didn't know him. (laughs) It says that wasn't the first time, Peter. It says you've done that three times. One last thing, on occasions you were known to speak on Satan's behalf. Get behind me, Satan. You're not mindful of things of God, just in case you didn't know what that meant. On occasions, you were known to speak in Satan's behalf. I. <laughs> well, okay, Simon Barjona. Eh, that's the end of the interview. We'll let you know. <laughs> eh, don't call us, we'll call you. <laughs> we have a few more interviews this afternoon and to be honest there seems to be a little more qualified than you coming one's a donkey who speaks so I wouldn't hold my breath (laughs) I wouldn't bother holding my breath here for getting picked Uh, don't give up on your day job have a nice day the message title is this morning is called the fishers or fishers of men and I want to turn to the gospel of John please in chapter 21 I'm going to try and get through I'll need a miracle for this. I'm going to try and get through 19 verses here. uh, And we'll see how it goes. Or is it 14? Let me just start reading. And after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, which is also known as the Sea of Galilee. And in this way, he showed himself Simon, Peter, Thomas, called the twin Nathaniel of Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John. And two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. It says in Matthew, referring to this in Matthew 28, 6, we don't need to turn to it. It says that Jesus already sent them to the mountain of Galilee to wait in them for he was coming to appear again. And as they go to the mountain to appear, it's almost like Peter cannot cope. He can't cope. He he, he gets a kind of realisation of his failures and I think he's like total recall of interviews. Like I, I, I'm no good enough here. I, I'll never cut the mustard here. I'm no good enough. And uh, Peter's impatience and guilt and probably shame and it drives them back to what he knows. You ever notice how your shame and your guilt and as we have total recall of your mistakes, it just it just kind of propels us back to what we know. And uh, he went back to fishing. That's what he was. He just went back to fishing in the Sea of Galilee. It's all he knew. Fishing? Are you kidding? He's seen Jesus twice post-resurrection. No counting all the miracles he had seen and everything he'd done before that. And what does he do? The first chance he gets, the first day off he gets, the first opportunity he gets, I'm just getting back to what I know. I'm just getting back to, and we're not talking about angling here. We're not talking about I'm going fishing. It's what I enjoy doing. I heard a prominent woman pastor leader thing saying, woman saying, eh, about this message, she says that he went fishing. He went. He went fishing because it was a hobby. It's a flipping hobby. 
Already seen Jesus twice, he gets back to the only thing he knows. He listens to the internal stuff in his mind that, you know, I'll never cut the mustard here. I know I was called Peter, but I'm really Simon Barjona. Um, I, I don't think I'll cut the mustard and he goes back to what he knows. He's probably thinking, I'm not cut out for this. Uh, I can't even live up to this rock statement. You've called me the rock, I'm not cutting it. I'm not cutting the rock. Yeah. And they all follow him. Such is Peter's influence in them all. Everyone knows Peter's a leader except Peter. Everybody knows Peter can do amazing things, but everybody knows that Peter's got amazing influence other than Peter. And he said, too many failures, maybe one too many failures and one too many fails and one too many mistakes and one too many denials. And... But he goes fishing, he can't seem to catch anything. The two times, the two times that it talks about Peter going fishing in the Bible, he never caught anything. So I'm not even sure how good he is at that. I'm sure he is good. He had a business, he had his own boat, he was in charge and Sure he was good, he just was never any good when Jesus was there, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. And it says in verse 46, But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus says to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net to the right side. Cast the net. No, cast the net. <laughs> cast the net. Cast the net. Not that any of you thought that for a minute, only me. <laughs> Nobody else thought he cast the nets. It was only me. Cast the net to the right-hand side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it because of the multitude of fish. Have you noticed Peter never caught fish when Jesus was with them or around him? Why? I think there are loads of reasons. I'll just give you a couple, but I mean, you could do a whole message in this alone. I believe two reasons, but I'll give you two, but there's loads. One... Uh, Jesus was breaking his self-sufficiency. Remember when he couldn't catch any fish in Jesus the first time that Jesus caught all the fish and then Simon, or at the time Simon says to him, before he's Peter, Simon says, Get, go away, I'm, I'm a sinful man. He almost realises his own inadequacy yeah. and his own lack. Yeah. Uh, so Jesus is breaking the self-sufficiency and two, he was letting them know he was called to another job. Sometimes you fail because you're called to something else. Yeah. He was called to another job. He's a fisher of men. Have you ever noticed how good you are at feeding your flesh when you're known in the presence of Christ? Yeah. You ever notice how good we are at feeding our flesh when we're known in the presence of Christ during the week Tuesday? It's all right Sunday, but Tuesday. How good you are at feeding yourself at the flesh on Tuesday when you're known in the presence of Christ. But when you are, you're inadequate and absolutely hopeless. Good. If you still feel fantastic when you're in the presence of Christ, you're no with Christ. <laughs> How we can be so amazing and Peter was so amazing and so intelligent. He's a phenomenal fisherman when he was near with Jesus. Phenomenal. Phenomenal human being. Amazing. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones calls it reveling in his boastings. Yeah. Reveling in your boastings. He, call, he says it this, reveling in your boastings. He's, you know, you hear this guy. He talks about Invictus, you know. I am the captain of the ship. I am the, what? You're the captain of your ship, really? You're the master of your fate, really? Really? Wow. Brilliant. You're amazing. It's, it's awesome. 
It's so intelligent. It's so special. How intelligent we are and talented when Jesus isn't around. When we have a call in our life, it's okay to drown it out when Jesus is not in a presence in it. We seem we can drown out what we're supposed to be doing when Jesus isn't here. But with the minute he's in the presence, we can't seem to hide from what we've been called today. When he is, we can't hide behind things. He brings us face to face with our commission and our human frailties completely. Our commission and our total human frailties. Uh, and it says, verse 7 and 8, Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved, this is John, I'm reading for John. Listen, let me ask you something. See if you could call yourself the disciple who Jesus loved, or John, what would you call yourself? <laughs> exactly. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's what I'd call myself. I'd rather call myself that than John. The disciple who Jesus loved, Mark. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. Then when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in a, a little boat like the dinghy attached to it, because obviously it was a big fishing boat. You wouldn't get it right into the shore. Uh, for they were not far from the land, about 200 cubits. That's about 30 metres, dragging the net with the fish. As soon as Peter seen Jesus or recognised him, he puts on his outer clothes again. He puts his disciple clothes back on, if you like. You ever notice the minute you go back in? Oh, aye, aye, praise the Lord. Back in, aren't you? Disciple jacket back on. Jacket. Podcaster, no, no, jacket. Disciple jacket back on. Why were they known in the first place? Because he was, because he wasn't a recreational fishing. He was, he's, he's stripped for work. I remember being at an AA meeting years ago. Nothing to do with the message, but I need to tell you. I was at an AA meeting years ago and uh, the guy was sharing his experience, strength and hope. No strength, no hope, but loads of experience. And uh, he was sharing his experience, strength and hope. And he says, uh, during, his, during his spiel, that, uh, he says, uh, he was telling the story when he got lifted one time. And his wife, the, the police station, phoned him and said, you'll need to go and pick up your man. He's lying here in the cell. We'll take him down the road. He was drunk. And we had to lift him last night. And she goes up to meet him and she goes into the reception. And she, she says, he's in there. You can just go and get him. She says, that's some man you've got. She says, it took us three, three years to get him into a straight jacket. And the woman, as quick as you like, says, it took you a lot more than that to get him into a working jacket. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, a true story honestly that's, that's true I'm not preaching as soon as we have seen him he recognised him he put out his outer clothes why were, were they no on because he was hard at work that's one of the reasons he fished see one of the reasons he fished at night and interestingly at five o'clock half past five in the morning I'm still studying this morning yes I was for use no no I didn't. I'm still studying and one of your friends that come to your church in uh, Dundee and uh, a friend of this church, he's a fisherman. And just as I was studying, he texted me. Says, I'm in the North Sea in the middle of near Norway. I got a reception. He was presuming I was going to get the text like this, the day. And I, was, I text him back. I says, oh, I'm up. I'm studying. I says, I'm st interestingly, I'm studying about fishing. I says, I says, why about, and I asked him questions about fishing at night. And he started hitting me back with text. 
I wish I never asked. No, I'm only kidding. He started hitting me back with, with reasons he fished at night. One of the reasons was, and this wasn't his, this was my study, which I thought was better than his. One of the reasons is, they, in the Middle East, they, they, they would have been too warm. Uh, that, that was one of the reasons. But, but then, then my friend sent back a couple of things. Is the fish wouldn't see the nets. Uh, now they have practically invisible nets. Basically, they've got invisible nets now, so you can catch them. But no, then. Uh, and he puts on his clothes on his... It's like his enthusiasm kicks in again. Hi, Jesus! <laughs> Hi, Jesus! It's me! It's Peter! I'm here! Do you get what I'm saying? It's like excited again. I'm at church. I love you, Jesus. And he's getting all excited. Hi, Jesus! It's me! In fact, just wait there. I'm coming. Clothes on and everyone just swimming. Clothes on. Uh, it's me, Peter. I'm so up for seeing you. I'm so up for it. Really, are you? Really? You're up for it? I think he's part pretending. Don't you think he's like, I better pretend. I've been away fishing here. Oh, I'm just kidding. On. I was just doing it recreationally. I wasn't bothering. Away fishing here. Getting caught on the job. He's, I think, part pretending to care more about Jesus than fishing. You know that because of the conversation we have later that he's definitely pretending to be caring more about Jesus. It's a, it's a bit like Ananias and Sapphira from Acts 5. They pretend to give out of love and of Christ. But I was reading about this last night again, but, but really they're holding back. They're fake love. and you No know, chapter 5 where Ananias and Sapphira pretend to be bringing gifts and offerings because they just so love the broken and hurting. Really? Wow, wow, wow. So you bring a wee bit pretending to love the hurting and broken so that you can still self-indulge in your own stuff and you're even willing to use the hurting and broken to appease your guilt. And they're holding back. They fake their love for the poor and broken. It makes them feel less guilty. And it justifies them pursuing riches. They like to be justified for pursuing riches. And to be justified pursuing riches, you just pretend that you're doing it all for the broken. Really, if you're doing it all for the broken, get all the broken. If you're doing it all for the broken, don't, don't come in and see Peter. Peter's so smart at this because he, he, in the book he acts, he's new sanctified, so he gets this. So he spots Ananias and Sapphira for a mile away. Tell me you're coming in the name of the broken and the hurting to give it all for them. Listen, you're making money for you. And it was okay if you were making money for you. You just shouldn't have been lying. We don't care that you're making money for you. The point was that you were pretending that you were making it for the broken and the hurting. I do it all for them. I hear that stuff and I'm just like, did you? Aye. Did you? Aye. Humility says a lot less than what it knows, except on the platform. Eh. They die in church and get buried outside it. They get buried outside God's will. Way outside it. Not even in the church. Not even in the presence of God. Buried outside. Because Peter wasn't fooled with their charity. It wasn't that they didn't give, it's that they made all out that the money they had all for the cause of the poor and the sacrifice. Who are you kidding? Who are you trying to kid? You trying to kid the kidders? Who are you kidding? You? Kidding you? Kidding yourself? Does that make you feel good? About pursuing riches under the guise that you love people? You can tell how I get into a lot of bother, eh? That's how Peter knew. He drew in his experience and knowledge. By the time he got to the book of Acts, about that stuff. 
I'm going to give you a bit of advice here. Never, ever, ever. I know this seems brutal here, I'm preaching. That's why I don't sit anywhere. Never, ever pretend to pull the wool out of man of God's eyes who's a preacher of the word of God and think, if you've got a different agenda, don't presume for a minute he'll not hear it just because he doesn't say it. Seriously, let's move on before I get any more trouble. Verse 9 and 10. Some of you just need to hear that last bit there alone. Better keep your mouth shut. Even stupid people seem smart when they don't talk. Let's move on. Verse 9 and 10. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. What? I was reading this and I'm like, really? I'm going to read this again. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it. It's already there. And bread. It's already there. Jesus then said to them, bring some of the fish. What does he need the fish for? Jesus says, bring some of the fish which you have caught. Which you have just caught. How amazing is Jesus? They didn't even catch them. Jesus is even willing to give the disciples the credit for what he caught. They never caught anything. They fished all night and caught nothing. And Jesus said, bring me some of the fish that you caught. You could have actually said, bring me some of the fish that I caught because you are murder. You are hopeless. Bring me some of the fish that I caught along with these miracle fish that I didn't even need catch for them to be on the grill. (laughs) Never caught anything. He caught it all. He also didn't need to tell them. It says he already had fish in the barbecue. Why? Bring more. Why bring more? Because Jesus wants us to bring what we have regardless of what he's got. Regardless of what he can provide, we have to bring what we've got regardless of what he can provide. People are praying for a miracle. Have you checked your wallet? You know, I never talk about giving and we don't believe in tithing in this church because it's not, I don't believe in tithing because it's not biblical. Never mind in this church. Jesus wants us to bring what we have regardless of what he can provide. Regardless of what Jesus can provide, what do we bring? People are praying, oh, we're praying for a miracle. Jesus is like, I've got it. The fish is here on the grill. I want you to bring what I gave you. I want you to bring what I bless you with. I want you to bring, because they weren't even your catch anyway. It was all mine. Some people want oil, what Jesus will give them, but no share with them what he's provided for them. I want to know what you've got, Jesus, but I don't want to give you any of what you've gave me. Really? Jesus will provide. And he has provided it all. He gives something back. Comes for him anyway. No, it's not nine. Nine. It's no. You never caught anything. The only reason you caught anything is because he allowed it. You don't even get to breathe without his permission. Back to Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says, you are so smart, you don't even know what's coming tomorrow. You can tell me how to do this, you can tell me how to do that, but tell me what's happening tomorrow. I don't know. You can can do open heart surgery, you can do all this stuff, but you can't cure the common cold. Here's the amazing thing and all that I love about Jesus, even though he caught the fish, he'd already fish on the but he says, bring me some. Even lets you keep what he's got. Didn't he say bring it all? God doesn't need it. Jesus didn't need the fish. 
but he wants you to be in a relationship and a partnership with him. Okay, he doesn't need the fish. He just wants you to be in a relationship and a partnership with him. He wants it to be a joint venture here. He doesn't even take the credit for what he caught. Some people are like, well, God doesn't need anything. God can make it happen. I know he gave it to you and a catch to bring it. When we started our church in Dundee and I went and met the guy who owned the building that we have and I found out who he owned the building. He's a businessman and I really, I like him. He's a, he's, he's a straight-laced businessman. And I went to see him a couple of times. I was like, I'd love that building to build a church. He says, well, what? well okay then. I says, but it's derelict. I says, right. He says, well, what? I says, well, we don't have any money to renovate it. He says, what are you looking for? I says, I was hoping at the goodness of your heart you would renovate it. To your spec. <laughs> Complete spec. Stage, lighting, sound desk, toilets, bespoke. And then get this. Really? Really? And I says, I he says, hang it off your head. I says, I'll see you next week. So I go, away, I'll go back to you next week and I'll get to see him. And he's like, oh, here he comes. <laughs> and we're in the conversation. I says, have you thought about the building? He says, I did. He says, what did you think? He says, well, I get thinking. You know, I don't believe in God, blah, blah, blah. We're having a talk. He says, but I go thinking, why don't you ask God to give you the money for the building? I says, I did. He says, and what did he say? He says, he says, if you ask you. It's a true story. And we've got the building. And he gave us it and he done it. Everything. And somebody's like, well, God doesn't need anything. He's got everything. I know, but we have to bring what we bring. It doesn't matter that he'll provide. What are we bringing? He wants us to share in the blessing. It's a partnership here. And so many people are holding on to all the blessings that God has given them, thinking it was you. You think it was you? Holding on to all the blessings, think you can give a couple of wee shekels for the lost. Oh, because I love them so much. Right, okay. I better not go back there. I've got a bee in my bonnet about that. You know, God's the God of the miracles. You think he's got to provide? Let's go to verse 11 to 14. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net into the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. This must be the best breakfast ever, don't you think? Yeah. You know, it's like that Heineken Arvel. Oh, if you could make breakfast, it would be the best. You know that? What? Carlsberg. How do you know that? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Get with the programme. <laughs> Come and eat breakfast, yet none of the disciples dared ask him who you are, knowing that it was the Lord. And so obviously it's Jesus, but it doesn't look like Jesus. Uh, let me tell you something. See, when you get resurrected, you don't look like you either. Uh, knowing that it was the Lord, Jesus then came and took bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. You know, I was reading this and it, it talks about 153 giant fish and huge fish. There have been probably carp or some part of the carp family, in case you're interested in that. Wikipedia. 
And as I get reading this, you know, you realize that where God provides a blessing, he'll always strengthen your resource. Wherever God provides a blessing, he'll always strengthen your resource. The net couldn't normally manage that, but where God provides a blessing, he strengthens the resource. He'll strengthen whatever you have in your hands. He'll strengthen whatever you've got. Wherever God blesses, he'll strengthen. You know, whatever he blesses, he'll strengthen. The net was full, but did not burst. Just on an offshoot here, the 153 fish, there's loads of debates about the 100. Many take on, takes on the number, hundreds of takes on the number, the one being the number of God, the five being the number of grace, the three being the number of, all that stuff. So many, and I believe to overthink it would burst the net, to be quite honest with you, but let me ever provide just one, know that I'm saying this is exactly it, but just, just for the sake of a conversation. Three miracles recorded in Mark, 47 in Matthew, 94 in Luke, that includes the 70 who get sent out to perform miracles, and 9 in John, 153. Comes 153. Let me bring this in, verse 15 to 19. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. When Jesus is asking the question, uh, Simon, I, I know people say, well, it was to compensate for the three times that, the three times that he denied him. Nothing. That might be the case, but there's no evidence in the Bible that that's the reason, so there's no point talking about it. There's no evidence. You can't just make that up. Well, you can, but you can't be true. You can't go, oh, he said that to compensate for the three times he denied him. Where does it say that? Nowhere. Not any Gospels that say anything about that. So you can't just presume that based on your own take. Unless you're some charismatic nut and go to Revelation. (laughs) So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? See, it's a different kind of love for the love that that Peter answers or Simon answers. You know that I love you. See, Jesus is given an absolute, do you love me more than these? These could be two things. You presume he means the fish, don't you? Do you love me more than these fish? But he could be saying, do you love me more than these disciples? Yeah. It could have been named as well. You know that I love you. And it's not, a deep, it's not the kind of deep level of love that Jesus is asking the question And Do you love me more than these? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I love you. How deep do you love me? Oh, I love you. I'll let you say to somebody, I love you so, so much. I love you completely. Love you too. It's a bit like that. Oh, I love you more than life itself. Me too. Ditto. You know that? He's hitting back. Ditto. Ditto. Same, same. Same, same. That's what he's hitting back with. Same, same. And he said to him again, the second thing, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him again, you know that I love you. It's getting a wee bit better. And then he says to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him, the third, he's a classic, isn't he? Because <laughs> he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, Tend my sheep. Jesus is saying, carry out the most important thing continually. Teach the word of God. Yeah. That's what I called you today. I called you to be fishers of men. Yeah. I called you to continue to preach the gospel. Yeah. To carry out what I called you today. Yeah. Feed my sheep. 
continue to preach the word of God into their life. It says in verse 19, this is the bit that just blows my mind. And I can almost, you can picture Peter here when he hears this. He said, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. You've done what you wanted to do. Indeed, the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. You walked where you wished, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you don't want to wish. It's almost like Peter Stone in there going, do you mean I will? Do you mean I will eventually follow you? Do you mean there's going to come a time when I won't let you down? Do you mean I will be the rock? Are you, are, you, are you saying to me, Jesus, that everything I've ever done and all the interviews and all the mistakes and all that stuff, that he must be cartwheeling. Are you telling me that I won't let you do? Are you telling me that there's going to come a time when I will serve you? Jesus, like, absolutely, son. That's why I called you. Them who's called. See, if you've been called and you've been chosen by God, it doesn't matter what mistakes or what you've done. There's going to come a time when you will deny yourself and your selfish ambition. It might not be the day and it might not be the morrow, but eventually, I promise you, through the sanctifying work of Christ, sanctification just means simply becoming more like Jesus. I think of this conversation and most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and what were you wished? But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you you do not wish. Talking about how he's got to die. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he spoke this, he said to him, follow me. I love how it ends. I love how it ends. His call and all the mistakes and everything he done. And I love how Jesus speaks into his life for the other side. You know, you would think that Jesus, I mean, he's, he's done all this stuff. He, he's at the side and he's, he, he's making them breakfast. He's having barbecue breakfast at the side of the, 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 the Sea of Galilee. And he's gone. That's what you would think. I mean, can I start again? Can I start again? They're murder. They're, they're not caught in the mustard. I know he said he was a rock, but I mean, look at him. Can I start again? No, he doesn't say that. He never says that. For them who has begun a good work, he will bring it to completion. Does it matter how many times you've failed, how many times you've let God down, how many times you've let Jesus down, how many times you truly wanted to love him, but you couldn't get your bed or you struggled or your mind played tricks on you or stuff and you, the shame you carried and that. It doesn't matter. There'll come a time. If you've been called and you've been chosen, there'll come a time. Between now and your death, there'll come a time where you'll deny everything and who you are. You will deny yourself and your selfish ambition. You will pick up your cross. You will follow him daily. You will become who Jesus has made you to be, no matter what. You will, you will, you will. And Peter must be like this. You mean I can live up to this? Yes, you can. You, you're telling me I can, I can do this? Yes. And you just need to go to the book of Acts, the first five chapters to see him. Preach the word, preach the word. It says in the book of Acts, his first sermon, he preached 
3,000 were added, the next one 5,000, the next one 2,000. Everywhere he went and he just took a step forward in the midst of the assembly and he preached the gospel. But when he was in amongst that mess, he think, I'll never cut the mustard, I'll never make it, I'll go back to what I know, I'll go back to fishing, I'll go back to, I'll go back to a lesser life, I'll go back to, I'll sell for much less. And it doesn't matter whether you sell for much less or no, if God's called you, he will draw you. It doesn't matter whether you've settled for less. If he says he's going to make a harm, he's going to make a harm. If he says you're no longer going to be called Simon, but you're going to be called Peter, upon which the, the rock he'll build his church, then that's what's going to harm, regardless of the mistakes, the fails, the doubts, and everything that's went in between. I heard John MacArthur saying a brilliant thing. He says, you know what? I'm no frightened of being martyred. He says, I, don't, I couldn't think of a better death than being martyred. He says, the only thing that scares me is, is that I couldn't do it. The, the given point, I would deny Christ. And he's got a bad CV. And he's got a bad CV, yeah. You look at my CV, and I don't mean the fake CV. I don't mean the stuff that you're not putting in. I'm talking about the real CV. I'm talking about the stuff that they use in The Apprentice when that Claude interviews you. You know, the real, the real, the real stuff. The stuff that only God knows. That CV, the CV that you try and pretend that. That's why Paul had such courage because he had a pure conscience. Pure conscience can give you some amount of courage. You don't second guess yourself the same. You may have a bad CV. What bad interviews? Big mistakes. Bad choices. Going for it with the Lord, but I just never made it. Settle for some less. I made a bad choice in my life. I made a bad decision. I settled for less than what I should have. I settled for less than preaching the word. I settled for less than going for it totally for Christ. I settled for less and thinking, I'll just need to go and work here and I'll be a fisherman. And I'll just get caught in fishermen. Whenever I see Jesus, I'll pretend I'm offering him. But I'll just settle for something less. And Jesus like, it doesn't matter whether you think you're going to settle for something less. What I've called you today, you're there. Marwit. Never failed Jesus many times. And you ever showed yourself to be unreliable ever? Yeah. Told a lie? Mm-hmm. We all tell lies. No, you do, honestly. Yeah. I talked to somebody the other day, he says, I never told a lie. And I thought, my. <laughs> Just told one there. <laughs> <laughs> There's a first for everything, missus. Yeah. But here's the thing. You have been inconsistent. Peter. Ever been impulsive? I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm starting them out two weeks later. No, I didn't. It's like the wee child and time started doing it. It's like the wee child like, are we going to grants? Yes, we're going to grants. Can I have the bike? Can I have it? Can I have that? Have that? And then you see it, you see it all the time, and they're always a parent. A child's walking in puddles now. They're looking for deep puddles. Did you ever look for deep puddles? They're just walking about looking for deep puddles. And there's a parent walking behind them with a bike and stuff like that. <laughs> That's why parents say, you're not taking the bike. You're not, no, I want to play in the bike. You're not taking the ball. I'll end up carrying it. No, no, no. What you will? Yeah. Yeah. There's enthusiasm. Impulsive. Where are you going? I'll be coming. 
I need to stop saying that. It's my time clock. Exactly. Let me just close with saying this. If you truly love Jesus, see, this is discipleship here. How does Jesus disciple the disciples? Wow. How does Jesus disciple the disciples? This is how he doesn't disciple disciples, just to let you know. This might freak some of you, program folk. You like a program. Let's get a program. Let's get an incentive. Get the incentive in the program. Let's disciple. Discipleship 101. Let's get it going here. Let's get in the discipleship. You know that stuff that you didn't need? The only people that need the discipleship is they might never finish the discipleship course. I used to go to them all the time, like, I don't need this. Well, I know there were an arrogance there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Eventually, you're like, this discipleship course is designed for people who don't want Jesus. Yeah. This is how Jesus disciples the disciples. They failed miserably. They're away fishing. I mean, the one who loved Jesus, he's no much better. He's away and all. He's not going away, but they're always fishing. They're always fishing. Those are John was like, the, the disciple who Jesus loved and like, I'm not going fishing. I'm a fisherman. I'll come with you, Peter. <laughs> Peter's the leader. He's always the first name mentioned in every scripture in the post. Always the first name mentioned. So here's how Jesus disciples. This is deep. You might drown here. Here's how Jesus disciples. Right, we're going to do a course. This is how he disciples. Peter. James, do you love me? Do you love me? That's how we disciple people. Jesus asked, do you love me? If you love Jesus, that is discipleship. It's the only thing. He could have talked about anything. Do you love me? Yes, I love you, Jesus. That's enough. That's enough. That's all you'll need to pursue your purpose in life. Yeah, there'll be stuff that you pick up on the way, but that's the key to everything. He didn't say, right, listen, we've got a 62-week course. <laughs> Do you love me? 62-week course that you're probably going to fail at and then go back to square one with a bad interview and a bad CV and never finish the course. Yeah. Do you love me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in due course, you'll deny yourself. Yeah. You will deny yourself. You will You'll die for me. That's the sanctifying work of Jesus Christ. That's how we become fishers of men. You might not be there yet. You might be a long way off it. You might feel that it's too late. It's my wage here. It doesn't matter how long you've got to go. See, you've been called. You've been called. End of end of no matter what. Amen? Amen. Amen. We'll be standing together. Thank you. (laughs) I thought I would have run out of time and I wouldn't have got the last scripture, which I just about have run out of time, but see if you went to the next verse, it would just give you so much hope again. Honestly, you wouldn't believe what happens in the next verse with Peter. You think that'd be it for me? That it should end there, shouldn't it? If you read the Gospel of John in chapter 21, at chapter 14, you should just go, right, that's an end. Amen. Amen. And end. No. You think that'll do. It's ended well for Peter. He's sorted. It's all right. 
<laughs> it says in the next verse. And this is what I love about Peter, and this is what so encourages me, just in case you leave here and you fail again after I've said this. Do you, know, right? you, you get what I'm saying? Because you've got to go, oh, that's it, I know now, I know now, I'm in it now. And then you're going to leave here, and then on Tuesday you've got to do the same. So, right, Peter done it again. So, Peter leaves. It says he turns for Jesus. After all that, after telling them how he's going to die, he's going to be crucified, Peter was crucified upside down. Because he didn't feel good enough to be crucified the way Jesus was crucified. He didn't feel it was fitting that he would die the death that his Lord died. So he died and was crucified upside down. And it says, but so Jesus tells him all that and then he leaves. You just think, that's it, follow me. He's like, I'm on it. And then it says he turns around. And we'll just pretend you're the disciple that Jesus loved. You need to use a lot of imagination. <laughs> <laughs> And he, and he turns, and he's like, just had this conversation with Jesus. You can read it yourself. And he turns and he goes to Jesus. What about him? <laughs> and you're like, you're kidding. Just finish, we follow me. Don't say anything else. You were doing so well, Peter. What about him? As any of these other like, I'm going to get through stuff. What about them? <laughs> now, he could have been saying it for different reasons. He could be saying it because he loved John. Is he going to be all right? This is what Jesus says. And this is exactly how he says it. You can read it yourself in the New King James. What's that to do with you? <laughs> what has that got to do with you? Which further proves the people possession and the mindset that Peter had. He was obsessed at what people thought about him, what people, how people spoke to him. He was obsessed about what people... He couldn't have followed Jesus completely at that point. Because he was still worried about you, 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 you. And what you throw him. You know what I'm saying? You're just like, what about them? What about them? That highlights Mary who Peter is. And Jesus says, what do you care? In fact, I might just, paraphrase, I might just let him live forever. (laughs) Peter's like, huh? I might just let him live forever. Wait till I come back. Wait till I come back and just rapture him. I might just do that. Doesn't matter. Peter. Simon Barjona. You're Peter the Rock. And I told you to follow me and become a fisher of men. Doesn't matter what other people are called today, no call today, where they're gone, where they're no gone, where they're no gone, whatever God's called you today, you do. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Hope United. You can stay connected with us through our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages.